morning, I want to wrap up these three weeks of this mini-series that we're calling Recharge. One of the things that I notice about myself and about other believers is we are, can be following Christ, we can be in our walk with Christ, we can be doing great in our relationship with Christ, and then because we have just kind of stopped doing some things or, or what, something maybe going on in our life or just for no reason at all, we can find ourselves in a place where we feel like spiritually we're empty. We feel like we, we just need to be recharged. And, 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 and so often what happens at that point is we feel like spiritual failures, as clear and as, as obvious as God is God, the fact of the matter is, there also is the enemy of our soul. Scripture talks about this. It's Satan. And he is the accuser of the saints. Here's something that, believe, that, that we as believers need to know. Satan has absolutely no power. The only ability he has is to lie, to cheat, and to deceive. And he is effective because he tells us a lie and we believe that lie. That is the only area that he is effective. Now, and if you've read the end of the book, you know that at the end, at the end, of, the, at the end of the book that, that he loses and he is gone and he, and he just no longer will be an issue for anyone. And, and the reality is God is for us. We are the apple of his eye. He cares about us individually more than anything else on the planet. God loves people more than anything. He designed us and created us so that he could love us. We are the most important thing. He created everything so that he could have relationship for us. And knowing that it was going to be a fallen and a broken world, he paid the price through his son, Jesus Christ, so that you and I could once again be in relationship with him. And yet we find ourselves as followers of Christ in places where we just feel distant. And the enemy of our soul says, you know what? To get back in your relation, to get back to where you are, to get close again to God, you need to do a whole bunch of things. And there's a whole list of to-do things. You need, you need to get up at 6 in the morning, and you need to start praying again. And you, you need to fast for things, or you, or you, and a whole list of things. And, and God says, no. And Paul Paul makes this real clear in this verse that I've grabbed onto for these three weeks. Because Paul says this, may you experience the love of God. And God's love is total. God's love has the ability to be right with us in our greatest triumphs and our most difficult defeats. He's right there through, through the entire spectrum of no matter what's going on in our lives, we're celebrating or we're in our, in our most difficult struggle. God's love is right there with us, even though the enemy of our soul would tell us otherwise or our feelings might tell us otherwise. That's where he is. And Paul, Paul's digging in on this. He says, may you experience the love of Christ. Though it's so great, you will never fully understand it. That part of that verse does wonders for me. 
because I just don't fully understand. I cannot wrap my brain around this love of Christ. And then you'll be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. That word filled, in the original language, in the Greek language, it, it doesn't mean being filled like I would take this cup and, and fill it up with water. It, it, the best description that, that I can give you is it's like a fountain that runs continually. It never stops running. It just keeps on running and running. It keeps on filling and filling. In the original Greek language, that's what that word filled means. It's this constant filling. But yet, as followers of Christ, and I, I, I know for me, we hit a place where our battery is low and we need to be recharged or, or, our, or our cup is, is empty and, and it needs refilling. And a cup is, it's only, it, it's only purpose is if it's filled. If it's empty, it has no purpose. If, if I'm dying of thirst and, and I take a sip, if there's nothing in this cup, it has done me no favor. It has failed me ultimately. Its purpose is to be filled. Its, its usefulness is to be filled. It has meaning if it's filled. It has value if it's filled. And through his Holy Spirit, God desires to do that in our lives. And over these three weeks, I've, I've just challenged each of us. Listen, let's stop doing something. Let's start doing something, and let's look for something. And all three weeks, we, we've stopped doing something. We've looked at, at starting something, and, then, and then, then, we were, then we were looking for something. And let's dive right in this morning. We've got to stop limiting God's power. We have got to stop limiting God's power. I got to tell you, I, I, I do this all too often. I, I just limit God. And even though in my brain, I know he is all powerful. I know it in my head. I know in my heart. I know that he created the universe. His artistic talents give us the sunrise and, and the sunsets and, and the beauty of nature that we look. I know he did that. And I know that it's his power that, that designed the tides to come in and to go out and in. And he designed a whole lunar process to control that. And I know that his brains are the brains behind, the, behind chemistry. That we, on an ongoing process, are still finding out about. The creator, he holds the atoms that hold everything together. He is God. The problem with you and I, the problem for you and I is that we don't live out what we believe. We know that's who he is, but, but we, don't, we don't actually live that out. We, we, we go to, we, we, we'd like to go to church on Sunday and go to work on Monday, and there'd be no difference in our lives between the two. And yet we hit, we hit failure over and over again. I, I, you know, even just this past week, I, I, we were in our staff meeting, and, and I was, you know, take, I, there are specific things that I wanted to go through with our staff and, and talk about. And, and in the process of that, I, I actually was asking Wes for something, and he gave me something, and, and it wasn't what I was thinking. And, and so, so I was rude to him. Now, I love Wes more than life itself. But yet in our staff meeting, I was rude to him. 
you know, we, we just, we drop, I don't know about you, but I, you, from time you just drop the ball. It's like, like, what was I thinking? How did that even happen? And yet, in the reality of this life, I believe, but sometimes I. I believe that he's the creator, but, and yet we don't live up to what we believe. And I put a whole list there, right, right in your in your notes. And and let's look at those because here's the reality. Some of us are going to look at some of those. Yep, yeah, I do that. The real clarity just kind of slips in as we let's just walk through this list real quickly. I believe that God has the power to transform my life, and yet so often, I I try and transform my life myself. I try and do it myself, and. And then, you know, we reach a place, I reach a place where I feel like maybe I'm drained or spiritually empty, and, and I need to be recharged. And I know that God wants to forgive me, and he wants to restore me to him. That's, that's what he wants to do. No matter what's going on in my life, he, see, he wants to restore us in our relationship with him. As a matter of fact, in forgiveness, he forgives us instantly. Just like that. And as followers of Christ, he actually requires us to forgive others instantly. That's hard to do sometimes. But as, as believers, that's what he calls us to do. Forgiveness must be given right away. Now, trust takes time because trust must be earned. But forgiveness, he requires that to be instant. And I know that what God wants to do is he wants to forgive me and he wants to restore me. He wants me to get right back close in relationship with him. But so often, instead of doing that, we listen to that little still voice that says, nah, you're a spiritual failure. You drifted away in your relationship with God and you're just not going to get right back. You have to do or you're, you're just not going to get. And some of us, we, we, we carry that on. He wants to forgive us and restore us. God's grace can wipe away my guilt because that's who he is, is grace and mercy and love. And yet so often, you know what we do? We, we pick up our guilt and we carry it with us. And we keep it. We just carry it around. And he wants to take that away from us. His grace can wipe away our guilt. God comforts me in my troubles. There's been a, a, a week where, you know, just so much goes on. A young uh, a lady that we knew just went home to be with the Lord on Friday. Battle with cancer. And there's someone else that we know that's battling cancer right on the verge of that. And God comforts us. He, he comforts me in my troubles. And yet so often, you know what we try and do? We try and comfort ourselves. We try and comfort ourselves with all kinds of things. We do it with relationships. We do it with chemicals. We do it with pills. We do it with liquid. We do it with all kinds of things. God has direction that is worthy and it's right to follow. God has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. He has clear direction and it's the right way to go. 
But so often, I, I like to go my own way. I just want to do it my way. God's provision is enough for me. But what, what about me? I usually get impatient because God's not delivering in my timeline. I am so guilty of that one. And I'll have these discussions with God. It's like I'll figure something out and I'll know how it should go and how the timing should go. And this is really not very hard. And you're God. This is easy. My time, I've got this all worked out. This is easy for you to do. And he says, no, that's, that's not my plan. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? This makes absolute sense. And, and we have this, 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 this back and forth process, and, 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 and I finally have to come to the place where I'm willing to say, okay, you are God. Let's do it your way. But I got to tell you, I still think deep inside that my way is better. And, and, this, this, and this struggle goes on because I get so impatient. I grew up in church. You guys know that. And I remember as a kid hearing my dad share this example. It's, it's, it's a very simple example. Our lives are like a home or an apartment. See, your life and my life, they're, they're just like a house or an apartment. And in this house or apartment, there, there, there are all kinds of different rooms. There are different areas in our lives. There, there are relationships. There's our spiritual life. There's, there's our eating life. There's finances. There's all these different rooms. And our house is made up of these different rooms. And when Jesus said, listen, it's good for you that I go away because I'm sending my Holy Spirit to live inside of you, his intent is all of those rooms. But here's what I know we do. We can't, some of those rooms in our lives, we keep the door shut. We, we stand on guard like a doorman. I grew up in New York City and, and spent a lot of time in doing renovations in midtown Manhattan and in uptown Manhattan and, and Central Park West and Madison Avenue, Park Avenue, Fifth Avenue, Sixth Avenue. Every single one of these buildings, see, there's a doorman there, and you don't even get into the place unless somebody gives you the right and says he, he can come in or she can come in. And our access is controlled. And you and I are the doorman for these different areas, these different rooms in our lives. And we actually tell God, and we tell his Holy Spirit, you can't go in that room. Or you can go into that room some. Or, or you can go into this room some. Or, or, and and we, we limit what he can do by closing down doors or just keeping them half open in our lives. We just don't let him in. 
And in our lives, there's a living room and a foyer and there's a kitchen and all of these rooms and different areas. And, and, and we, we just, you know, we, when we open the door of our apartment, for some of us, we step into the foyer. For some of us, we step right into the family room. It, it's, it's all, but, but the access and if somebody comes into our place, we, we don't let them go into the guest room because that's where we piled everything that we didn't want everybody to see, you know. So we kind of keep that all, all hidden away. Or, or if you were to open a closet door and, and, and not step back, you would get hit by everything that would fall out of the closet that you have piled in there. And we do that in spiritual areas of our lives. But his Holy Spirit works best in our lives when we open all the doors and we let him into every area of our life. The crazy thing is he is God. He knows what is absolutely best for every area of our lives. And yet we want to keep him out of some areas. Some of us, we have a closet that we, we, you can, you can, God, you can work in my life, but don't. Don't go near that closet. Just kind of stay out of this room. And the reality is, when we allow him full access, we will be fully recharged. And not just spiritually, but in the area of comfort and direction, and wisdom. God knows everything. His wisdom is what we need in our lives. His comfort is what we need. His direction is what we need in our lives. But we limit him. And sometimes we even shut the door. But we pick and choose when his Holy Spirit enters. And the truth is, God isn't limited. Look at, look at Psalms 147, great is our God and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. So often in life, we don't understand. What we're going through in life, he, he understands. He knows everything about it. He is not limited. Look at John as he gives us Jesus' words in Revelations. He says, look, here I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear me calling and you open the door, I will come in. And then he says something that kind of sounds out of place for us. He says, and we will share a meal as friends. Sharing a meal in biblical times meant unlimited access and real intimacy. Close relationships. Jesus said, listen, I'm knocking at the door. All you got to do is open. And if you will open, then you and I will be close in relationships. You know what's amazing about this passage of Scripture? As John is writing this passage of Scripture, he's writing it to the Laodicean church. And the Laodicean church is an independent church. They, they are very independent. They are extremely wealthy. They actually feel like they don't need anything, including God. They feel like they are self-sufficient. And the truth is, they are an empty shell of a church. And Jesus is knocking on, he's telling them, I'm knocking on the door, and I want to come in. But you don't even need me. And so often our self-sufficiency 
creates a short-term relief and a a short-term fulfillment that actually stops us from the long-term fulfillment that Christ desires in our lives. He's knocking because he wants to share a meal. He wants unfettered intimacy. He wants close relationship. When we give him access in our lives, then we are actually inviting him into the supper room. And when we invite Christ into our supper room, our supper room automatically becomes the throne room where the throne of God is right, right in our lives. Because Jesus said, it's good for you that I'm going. Because when I leave, I am sending my Holy Spirit to live inside of you. That's that passage that Paul was talking about. He's saying, this love of God, you will never fully understand it. But when he's the ruler in our lives, big things happen, real things happen, life change happens. But when we limit God, only little things are going to happen. It's like we got up this morning, said it's Sunday morning, I'm going to church. I want to do something with my life. I want God to speak to me. I want to be with God's people. And then Monday, I don't want that to change. I want that to continue on. I don't want to limit God. And different areas of our lives, it's like, it's like God, I'm, I, I'm really looking for a spouse. I, I, I really want someone to marry. I, th- I think I'll, I haven't found anybody, so I'll just get on eHarmony.com. And that's not a bad thing. Look, if you're going to get online and, and look for a spouse, it might as well be eHarmony.com because I happen to know that the guy who, who founded eHarmony and still runs it is a solid believer. But here's the deal. All along the line, we can get tripped up because we can, we can get online and say on eHarmony.com and we put our name in there and then we stop and think, should I use my real age? See, all along the process, we we can so easily get side-railed. Or we can be thinking, Lord, I need a job. And you start praying for a job, and and then then all of a sudden you you start thinking, and you you think, well, maybe I should go buy some lottery tickets, because if I win the lottery, then I won't need a job. And and, and we go down this rabbit trail, and and we, we, we do this kind of thing. Or, Lord, I'm gonna trust you with my finances actually start tithing, but that door is stuck. You know, it's hard to get that door open. You know, it's interesting. When God gives, when God gives us influence and he gives us finances, he gives it to us for a reason. If you're at a place in life and all of a sudden there's some finances come your way, or if you're at a place in life and suddenly you have influence or God has placed you in leadership in your job, when he, play, when he gives you influence and when he gives you finance, he always gives it for a reason. And our job is to seek him and find out what that reason is. He's God. 
And we are the most important thing to him. And so many of us, listen, so many of us grew up in churches that told us that God is just waiting to catch us when we do something wrong. And he's our judge, and he's, he's looking down at us just to catch us. That is just not who he is. He absolutely loves his children. A wide open door. God, I trust that your way works. I, I know that my way is flawed, even though I think sometimes it's perfect. But your way works. And I, I want this for, for myself and, and for our church family, just what Paul's talking about, so that we can be recharged, so, so that we can not be, when we and at times feel that we're distant or cold or, or, or not as close to him as we were, just like that, just like that, he wants us to step right back. Don't, don't, feel, don't believe the lie, because what God wants is that closeness and that intimacy. Second Corinthians, although Jesus died on the cross in weakness. Now, let me stop there for just a second. He died on the cross in weakness, and in this passage of Scripture here, Paul's writing this to us, but let me give that a little bit of clarity. Because he was, Jesus was all God, 100% God, and 100% man. And he never, ever sinned. Because he was 100% God, he had the ability to never sin. So while Paul is talking about the fact here that, that Jesus died on the cross in weakness, the fact of the matter is that Jesus chose that weakness so that he could be nailed to the cross. They, they never had the ability to take him. He willingly gave himself. They never had the ability to capture him. They never had the ability to nail him to the cross. He willingly gave himself so that he could pay the price for you and for me. And while he died on the cross in weakness, as Paul says, he now lives by the mighty power of God. And we too are weak, but we live in him, and we have God's power, Paul says. So we need to stop limiting God's power in our lives. And we need to start. We need to start with giving him the next thing. What do you give to a God who's asking you for everything? What do you give him? The Bible says he wants all of us. So what do you give a God who wants all of us? How How do you wrap? You just simply give him the next thing. See, he doesn't want to make this any more complicated. He, he doesn't want to share the job, though. He doesn't want to share the job of being God with you or me or with anyone else because he is God. And if you're the creator of the universe and you have all the power in the universe and that's who you are, that's who you are. Why would you want to say you're anything less than that? Look what Exodus 20 says. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Oh, by the way, you were in slavery in Egypt because you wanted to do it your way and not my way. 
So remember, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Do not worship any other gods beside me. Don't make idols of any kind, whether they're in the shape of a bird, of animals, or fish. You must never worship or bow down to them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not share your affection with any other God. And you might say, well, he doesn't, he's jealous? This kind of sounds a little cocky. But if you're the creator of the universe and you created everything, including mankind, and there's nothing that you can't do, and there's nothing that you don't know, and, and the very nature that you have is love, why would you say anything but that? Because that is truth, and that is who he is. And he doesn't want us serving any other God, even if that other God is you. Because he is God, and you are not. He is God, and I am not. And I don't know why, but sometimes I still want to tell him how to do some stuff. It's, it's just in my nature. You know, the reality is we're here, even this morning, because we want God's blessing. We want his best. I mean, that's why we're in life groups. That's why we're involved. That's why we're here this morning. So let's give him the next thing. And I just want to spend a few minutes giving that a little bit of clarity. You see, we're, we're, we're on a path, and every path has a destination, and we're following Christ. So what, what is that next thing for you? It might just be the busyness of your life. Your life is too busy for God to be a part of it. It may be some secret hidden sin that you have. That, that, you know, it, it's, it's in that closet that you don't want him in. It, it, it may be an obsession with perfectionism and, and, and you never move forward because things are just not perfect and so you're hanging on to that or, or it may be pornography. It may be an improper relationship that you know you have. They, they may be your next thing. And this may seem like just a step or a little thing, but it's bigger than you think. If you're not sure what it is, I would throw more questions at you, like, what's, what's defeating you? What keeps coming back? Or what's distracting you? Or what is discouraging you? Or what is it that you're embarrassed to talk about? Or, or maybe for you, it's something as simple as you, you, you need to, it's time to step forward and do your finances the way God says you should do them. Or, or maybe it's time to get into a life group. Or maybe it's time to start serving. But what's the next thing for you? Start there. Because you know what that does? That, that takes you off the path that is headed, you're not even sure where. And it puts you on the path that is headed clearly 
where God wants you to be. And he wants me to be. Start by giving him the next thing. And here's what I know. Your, your next thing may be none of the things I mentioned. But as soon as I started talking about some of those next things, the next thing for you came very clearly to your mind. And that's not me. That is the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit wants for you? Nothing less than the best. Nothing less than God's best for you. And knowing what that next thing is, and just like that, making it so clear to you, he is at work in your life and in my life. And that next thing is much bigger than you think. So if we'll stop limiting God's power, if we'll take that step and give him the next thing, then what we can do is look for his blessing. As sure as I'm standing here this morning, because that is how he operates. It's much bigger than you think. And his, his peace invades your life and invades my life, and we can walk through life with confidence because the creator of the universe is at work in our lives. That's the reality. The enemy of your soul would tell you, no, he's not. You're just another person. You're just the one of a whole group of people, and I don't know that he can take care of all those people. This is God we're talking about. There's nothing he can't do. Galatians, uh, Genesis, rather, chapter 22. This is what the Lord says. He's talking about Abraham here. Because you, Abraham, have obeyed me, you've, you've, you've given me the next thing. Because Abraham's life has been a process of giving God the next thing over and over again. That's what our lives are in following Christ. It's through this process of, of giving him the next thing. Because you, Abraham, have obeyed me and have not withheld even your beloved son, I swear by my own self, this is God talking, that I will bless you richly. For Abraham, at this point, the most important thing in his life is his son Isaac. He loves Isaac more than life itself. And God is testing Abraham here. He's saying, are you willing to give me your son Isaac? And Abraham comes to the place. You've read the story, and you know, he lays him on, and he's ready to take his life with a knife and sacrifice him on the altar. And God says, hold it. You don't need to do that. And ultimately, this was a test. And through your life and through my life, we come to places in giving him the next thing that, that he puts us through these tests. Now, let me explain something about these tests because here's the reality. There's nothing God doesn't know. So this test and all these tests that we go through, they are not so God can learn something. He already knows. There's nothing he doesn't know. Past, present, future. There's every, he knows everything. He is letting us go through these tests so that you and I can learn where we are in our walk with him. So that it becomes clear to us that we are moving through this process of getting closer and closer to him. 
and, and that our relationship with him is getting closer. And, and so he allows tests in our lives, not so he finds out something more about us, but so that we find out something more about ourselves and our relationship with him. God was testing Abraham's faith. And, and he says, because, because you gave me the next thing, I will bless you richly. And we think, well, that's the Old Testament. That was way back. Well, let, let's look here, because Paul is writing to the Galatians. Look what he says. Through the work of Jesus Christ... God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that he promised to Abraham. And we Christians receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. He, he wants us to open the doors to the rooms in our lives. You know, when, when, when construction workers are working in a room and they're doing a whole bunch of stuff in the room, they're hanging light fixtures, they're putting trim in, they're putting flooring in, they're painting, doing all this stuff. Usually they take a hammer and a nail set and they'll pop the hinge pins and they'll lift the door off and they'll put it out in the garage while they're working in the room so they have full access. Some of us just need to grab a hammer and a, and, and, and a nail set and pop all the hinge pins on the doors in our lives and stick them all in the garage and give him full access to all the rooms in our house, even the closets, and deal with all that stuff. Just saying. But most of us, we just crack the doors open a little bit and we let them in a little bit. We, we don't... You know what you need? You know how sometimes when you push a door all the way open, it, it hits against the doorstop? Actually, if you do it too hard, the knob will go right through the wall. Some of us just need to knock the knob right through the wall and doors in our lives and allow the Holy Spirit in. And Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, you know, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. When we give him the next thing, and we keep walking through life, giving him the next thing, we will have life in all its fullness. But we tend to make it so complicated, and we tend to keep doors half closed, sometimes fully closed in different rooms in our lives. And God's saying, this is, this is a lot simpler than you think but it's also a lot bigger than we think. Stand together with me. Let me pray with you. May we as a church family and may we as individuals not be willing to listen to the enemy of our soul. May we remember that all he has the ability to do is to lie to us and to cheat us, and to steal life from us. And Jesus says, I want you to have life, and I want you to have it to the full. And it's no more complicated than always being willing to give him that next thing. And let's freely open the doors in the rooms of our house or the rooms in our apartment, and let's give his Holy Spirit access. And, and, and let's not 
let's not believe the thought that says, well, that Holy Spirit thing is really kind of mystical, and I don't know that you can wrap your brain around it, and I don't, I don't know. I've seen that in some places, and that's kind of weird. And, 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 and he, he's saying, no, no, no. Trust me. Trust me. And allow my Holy Spirit into your lives. And God will do exactly what Paul is telling us here. Beyond our ability to understand it, he will allow his Holy Spirit in our lives. It'll take over more of the rooms in our lives, and we will simply live in the benefit of his presence at work in our lives on a constant, refilling, recharging basis. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our church family in both of these services, meeting here this morning. But thank you for loving us so much that there's nothing that you would not do for us. I pray, Lord, that you just bless our church family. Some of us here this morning struggling with issues. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit in their lives will just simply resolve those issues. Father, I pray for our prayer team here, even after the service as we, we pray with people with different needs or people in our lives that are struggling with illness and, and different things that, that we just want to bring right to you. And Lord, bless our church family as we walk out these doors this morning and we honor you with this day. Your very gift of life is your gift to us and what we do with it is our gift back to you. Thank you so much for what you're doing in all of our lives. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen.